Shabbat Shalom, and Happy Hanukkah. This week's parsha is entitled Miketz, which means at the end of. It covers Genesis chapters 41.1 through 44.17. Our parasha for this week opens by telling us that Joseph stayed two more full years in prison after the cupbearer's release. However, it is at this time that Pharaoh has a strange dream, one that no one can interpret. The fact that no one can interpret Pharaoh's dream seems to jog the cupbearer's memory, and he tells Pharaoh about Joseph. Pharaoh quickly summons Joseph, and he is brought from the prison. Pharaoh's dream involves two parts. In one part, seven healthy and fat cows are eaten by seven thin and ugly cows. In the second part, seven healthy ears of corn are swallowed by seven lean and withered ears of corn. In response to Pharaoh's dream, Joseph gives glory to God and tells Pharaoh that God has given Pharaoh a vision about what is to occur. The years of the boastful young Jacob, Joseph have given way to a mature Joseph, one who seeks God through his trials and struggles. Joseph explains that God has given Pharaoh a vision about what is to occur. He then explains about the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine and suggests that Pharaoh should appoint someone who will gather and store one-fifth of all produce during the seven years of plenty so that this food can be utilized during the years of famine. After hearing Joseph's plan, Pharaoh determines that Joseph should be appointed to the number two position in all the land to carry this plan out. Joseph was 30 years old when this occurred. A couple of lessons from these passages are that we realize that things don't always occur as we would like for them to. Joseph had hoped that he would be remembered by the cupbearer for a quick release, but this was not the case. He languished in prison for another two years. However, if he had been released quickly, he might not have been in a position to be available to interpret Pharaoh's dream. There are occasions when an extended time left in a difficult situation brings about a better result than what came before the difficult time. And Joseph did not just interpret Pharaoh's dream. He had a plan for what to do. God gave Joseph the interpretation of the dream, but he also gave him a plan on how to carry it out. And Joseph did not take credit for interpreting Pharaoh's dream. He gave the glory to God. How different is this Joseph than the one who boasted to his brothers so many years ago that they would be bowing down to him? Well, seven years of plenty are followed by seven years of famine, just as God had indicated through the dream. In fact, the famine is so far-reaching that Jacob and his family are affected. In chapter 42, Jacob sends all the sons, except for Benjamin, to buy grain in Egypt. And there, they are recognized by Joseph, who calls them spies. The brothers protest that they are just buying grain for the family back in Canaan, Canaan. Perhaps remembering his time in the pit and jail himself, Joseph throws the brothers into jail for three days. Upon release, he tells the brothers that 
one of them must be left behind when they take the grain back to Canaan, and then bring back the youngest brother so that their words can be verified. Joseph then has Simeon bound and held as the donkeys are loaded with grain and the rest of the brothers are released. Along with the grain, Joseph also returns the money that the brothers had bought to purchase the grain. Back in Canaan, Jacob refuses to let Benjamin return to Egypt in order that Simeon can be released. In time, however, with the famine so severe, Judah speaks to Jacob and tells him that he, he himself, will be the guarantee for Benjamin's safe return. Reluctantly, Jacob agrees and the brothers return to Egypt, this time with Benjamin. Surprisingly, a different set of circumstances await the brothers when they meet Joseph for the second time. Instead of interrogation, they are taken to Joseph's house for a feast. And as they eat together, Joseph keeps giving Benjamin not only the best food, but five times more than the other brothers. In chapter 44, as the brothers prepare to depart for Canaan with as much grain as they can carry, Joseph has his steward secretly put a silver cup into Benjamin's bag. The brothers, including Simeon, all depart together in joy, but that is short-lived. When Joseph's steward rides up and accuses them of stealing the silver cup, although the brothers protest, the cup is found in Benjamin's sack. Imagine the fear and sadness that the brothers must have felt as they returned to Joseph's house. As Joseph confronts them about stealing the cup, the parashah closes with Judah representing all the brothers beginning to confess that they have sinned. Our parashah for this week gives us several lessons regarding family interaction. First off, favoritism from parents is one of the key initiators of family strife. When one child is shown more love or greater privileges than the other siblings, this can foster conflict. This is what occurred in Joseph's life. It is up to us as parents to keep this type of situation from happening. Secondly, jealousy between siblings can move to hatred and even worse in a very short amount of time, especially when one sibling is being shown more favor than the others and taunts the other siblings with that. Again, this is something that needs to be monitored and addressed by parents. But a positive lesson that we can take away from today's parsha is that in time, relationships can be mended and healed through love, forgiveness, and self-sacrifice. In Genesis chapter 42, Reuben expresses remorse for what happened to Joseph. In Genesis chapter 43, Judah guarantees Benjamin's safety in order that they can go and bring food back so the family will not starve. Joseph feels deep emotions when he sees Benjamin for the first time. And at the end of our parsha, the brothers stay banded together as Judah begins to recount the sin of selling Joseph into slavery. In both the Old and New Testaments, we have many instructions regarding relationships and especially the attitude we need to have in approaching relationships. What could be more instructive than the portion of the Shema that reminds us to love our neighbor as ourselves? In other words, let's treat others in the same way that we want to be treated. And in the New Testament, our Messiah reminded us about love. And I think 
This is very instructive to use in family situations, especially during this year-end holiday season, when sometimes the joy of the season mingles with the stress from family gatherings. In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Remembering the love that Yeshua showed to us through his life, death, and resurrection will help us to deal with any type of human interaction that we encounter. And I hope that you will remember this next time you are in the midst of a stressful situation with family, friends, co-workers, or even strangers. Shabbat Shalom.